It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we're live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I'm not happy. Not happy at all. Just finished watching a gutless, spineless Arsenal performance that was, quite frankly, all over the place. Really, really disappointed by what I saw. Uh, Really disappointed that I rushed back from work to catch it. And was subjected to that absolute dross. Disappointed in the players. Disappointed in Mikel Arteta. There's so much to get into tonight. And this was not one that I could sleep on and uh, and, and do tomorrow morning. I want to say, first of all, I want to say happy Easter to everyone, right? Because for those of you listening to this on the audio, you're not going to get this until first thing on Sunday morning. So happy Easter to everybody who's celebrating Easter. Um, if you're not, then enjoy the time off. Um, if you're not celebrating it, that is enjoy the time off and try. I know it's not easy, but try not to allow Arsenal to spoil your Easter Sunday. I, I don't even really know where to begin tonight, right? Because there's so many things I want to discuss. I've got so many different thoughts going through my head. But first of all, I want to tell you guys a little bit about my day. And it will probably help you understand why I'm in such a terrible mood and why I'm probably feeling even worse than I would ordinarily after an Arsenal performance like that. So I was working today commentating on the uh, game between Leicester City and Manchester City for VSIN in the United States. It's a job I absolutely adore. But today there was one problem, right? By the time I finished that game, I had half an hour to get home from central London to North London to watch Arsenal. There's no pubs open at the moment. So I couldn't just, you know, pop in somewhere and catch the game. Um, finished finished the show on VSIN, literally chucked my stuff in the bag, sprinted out into the lobby, jumped into the first available lift, ran down the escalators into London Bridge Station, sprinted through the underground, got onto my trains, went through the ordeal of having to wait on a train that was being stopped and held to regulate the service, finally got back to the station nearby where I live, sprinted up the escalators, and I'll tell you one thing, I'm no spring chicken anymore, ran out of the station, my lovely missus was waiting for me in the car outside. She knew not to be late to pick me up from the station today because I wanted to get home and catch the Arsenal game. And when I got in the car, she already had TalkSport on for me. That's why I married her. Um, got home, missed the first 10, 12 minutes of the game. Uh, listened to it on the radio, of course, but in that 10 minutes or so, uh, I was in the car coming home. Sprint in the house, leave all my bags, all my gear, everything in the car because I'm in such a rush to get and sit in front of the TV and I'm subjected to that. 
it was so, so bad. Um, almost as bad as Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's new hairstyle. Um, I don't know what on earth that is about. Uh, it's, it, it's terrible. Not that I'm suggesting it has anything to do with his performance, but it just it just don't look right. Um, not on him anyway. Um, but then let, let's talk about the football. Let's, let's start by talking about Mikel Arteta's team selection. I didn't really have any issues with the team selection because we've got players missing. I was surprised that Callum Chambers started at right back. I know he had a good game at West Ham, but I don't see him as a viable option at right back week in, week out. I see him as a decent backup option. I see him as someone you put in the side, um, you know, when you're you're facing or likely to face aerial bombardment like we were likely to face against West Ham. I understand it in that sense, but I think Cedric's a better footballer than him. I think Bellerin's a better footballer than him. And I'd have picked either of those two ahead of him today, so couldn't quite work that out. Maybe the fact that Cedric had been on international duty played a role in Mikel Arteta um, not picking him. But Callum Chambers, okay, wasn't the end of the world. He, He had a good game at West Ham. Perhaps he warranted it. Didn't have an issue with the centre-back combination. Obviously disappointed that David Lewis was not in the side. Spoken repeatedly about how important he is to Arsenal nowadays. Kieran Tierney at left-back, as you'd expect. Moving into the midfield, he went with Ceballos and Partey. I'd have gone with that as well. The problem is with Danny Ceballos, though. Actually, You know what? Park that for a minute. I'll come back to that in a minute. Ceballos and Partey, Odegaard ahead of him. Pepe on the right, Aubameyang on the left, and Alexander Lacazette through the middle. The first lesson and the first thing to take away from tonight's game, and I'm sure many of you would have predicted me saying this before you even logged onto the stream, before you downloaded the podcast, if you're an audio listener, is that tonight taught us whether you like him, whether you loathe him, whether you want him gone, whether you want him to stay. Granite Xhaka is so damn fucking important to this Arsenal side. Apologies for the swearing. There might be a few F-bombs dropped in there tonight, but we're going live late, so we'll get away with it. He is so, so important. He is vital. He is crucial to this Arsenal midfield because he is far more press-resistant than Danny Ceballos. And I know that sounds strange, right? Because he's not as agile as Danny Ceballos. He's not as quick uh, along the ground as Danny Ceballos. But he does things simple. He receives the ball. He takes a touch. He picks a pass. Danny Ceballos, for some reason, when he receives the ball at his feet, wants to take two, three, sometimes even four touches before he even looks up and thinks about releasing the ball. And you cannot do that against the side who press as aggressively as Liverpool do. It just didn't work. It doesn't work with with Danny Ceballos in there. Made a couple of mistakes in the Europa League. I think his confidence is shot off the back of that. Um, you know, uh, some of you are talking in the chat about the idea of him potentially joining the club on a permanent basis in the summer. No, thank you. Um, it's not because I don't like the guy. It's not because I don't think he makes the effort. I just don't think he's good enough to spend a, a proportion of what is already going to be a really limited transfer budget in the summer on him. He's, he, he's not good enough. You know, you look further ahead in the team. You look at Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who again offered Arsenal absolutely nothing. I wrote a piece on 90 Min yesterday that went out on the website. I shared it um, 
I shared it on, on Twitter yesterday. I got a lot of criticism for it when I talked about the fact that we are a far more balanced side without him being shoehorned in on that left-hand side. It doesn't work. But it's almost as though Mikel Arteta feels this loyalty to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang because he signed the contract. Almost as though Mikel Arteta feels he'd look stupid if he didn't pick him because of how far Arsenal went in terms of trying to keep him, how far they went financially. The reality is he's not been good all season. His attitude absolutely stinks. He doesn't lead by example. He doesn't lead from the front. He can't pick out a pass. The ball doesn't stick to him when we get it forward. He offers us absolutely nothing most of the time. And this is a major, major issue. This is somebody that Arsenal have hung their hat on and said, this guy is going to be our talisman. This guy is going to be our leader for the next two, three seasons. And the reality is he does not give us anything right now. When Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was scoring goals frequently, you could forgive him for being a bystander, a passenger for large periods of games of football. But when you're playing on the left wing for Arsenal against Trent Alexander-Arnold, against Liverpool, you cannot be a bystander. You cannot be a passenger. You have to put in a shift. And he doesn't seem willing to do that. In fact, the, the, the fact that he doesn't play centre-forward and Alexander Lacazette does. Alexander Lacazette, who, yes, has more goals than him in the Premier League this season, but ordinarily is miles behind Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The fact that Lacazette gets picked ahead of him shows you that Mikel Arteta does not trust him to press, to put in a shift and to do all the things that he re requires from his centre-forward. So if he's not good enough for there, why are you sticking him out on the left-hand side? I just, it, it, it's driving me mad now because this has been going on for a while. He was dreadful against West Ham. He was dreadful against Olympiacos. Um, he, he's been dreadful for a significant proportion of this season. And, and Arteta needs to just just be ruthless. You know, the way he hooked Danny Ceballos off early in the second half and replaced him with Mohamed Elneny. Be ruthless. You know, you look at the tactics today and, and you, you try and work out what it was that Arsenal were trying to achieve. I understand the need to be compact, to drop that little bit deeper in when you're playing against the side of Liverpool's capability, when you're playing against a side with the pace that they have, um, you know, in terms of, you know, Salah, Salah, sorry, Mane, you know, play balls in behind, they'll chase them all day. So I get the need to drop a few yards deeper. I get the need to try and be compact. But Arsenal had no out ball. Playing the ball out to the left towards Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is absolutely pointless because he isn't going to hold the ball up. He hasn't got the ability to beat someone with a bit of skill. You know, he, he is really, really frustrating at the moment. And yes, maybe... When I look at this back tomorrow, maybe when I watch this or listen to this back, um, I think I'll I'll think I was a little bit harsh. But you know, this is a, a post match reaction, and this is how I'm feeling right now. And as always, we'll look into the game again and in a little bit more detail, and maybe at some different elements tomorrow. But right now, that's absolutely how I feel about Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Really, really frustrated. Was frustrated by some other performances as well. But before I get into those, just a quick reminder. Please, if you haven't done so already, smash the like button. Smash it. Uh, hit it. 
caress it, whatever you want to call it. Just hit, click on the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you're interested in supporting me to bring you more content um, and content of a higher standard, then please do click the link in the description for more information on our membership scheme. A big thank you to everybody who's already on board with that. Um, your support is massive and I really, really appreciate it. And um, when I've been working all day, I've sprinted home like an absolute madman to get to sit and watch the game. And then I've got to come on and uh, and talk about it when I'm angry, upset, disappointed. That's all for the love of you guys that support the channel. So thank you uh, all so much. Let's get back to some of the individual performances, though, because um, there were some, some poor ones other than the ones I've mentioned. Yes, there were more. Um, Rob Holding, too many errors. Just too many errors. Gets too tight to people at times. Um, doesn't read situations very well. And you bring him in having not played for so long, you know, that's going to happen. And I know that was kind of forced on Mikel Arteta today. And I'll tell you, and, and I will talk about the players that we were missing and, and how I think they would have made a difference, how I think they would have impacted the game. But he was bad. I thought Pepe was, was non-existent. Lacazette struggled to get involved in the game. Odegaard struggled to get involved in the game. I thought Thomas Partey started the game pretty well, but looked poor after around about the 15-20 minute mark. I thought Burn Leno could have done better for both of Liverpool's first two goals. I mean, take nothing away from Trent Alexander-Arnold's delivery for the first one, right? It comes into the box, really good ball in. The, the pace and the, the spin and the whip is already on the ball. Jota heads it towards goal. I expect my goalkeeper when the ball comes straight at him like that to keep the ball out the back of the net. I'm sorry, but, you know, I've talked about him time and time again, and I've been criticised by people who watch or listen to the show who tell me that I'm too harsh on him, that I'm I'm always looking for a reason to blame him. Tonight, there's no excuses for me. You know, Bern Leno was terrible. You know, as a goalkeeper, you, you go with it with one arm like that. You know, you've got to have the power in the arm. Use both, you know, uh, easy to say in hindsight. And I know we're talking about an instant reaction of a human being, which can't always be controlled. But a top, top goalkeeper, in my opinion, keeps that out, especially when the header is straight down his throat. The second goal, I don't blame him solely for it. But, you know, you come out as a goalkeeper and it gets put through your legs like that. Mo Salah didn't even have to work for the goal. You know, first, Gabriel doesn't, you know, make a make a strong enough challenge, maybe, I don't know. Um, allows Salah to get away, but, you know, getting outpaced by Mo Salah is no disgrace. But then, you know, Salah just literally just pokes the ball between his legs and that's it. You know, goal. And it's just so easy and so simple and so frustrating to watch. I can see a few of you in the chat disagree with me on Bern Leno and disagree with the idea that he should have kept uh, Diogo Jota's header out. I'm not budging on that. Um, I accept that there's a different opinion and, and I, as always, I'm, I'm open to that. But for me, I'm not moving away from the fact that I think he should save that. You know, I, I, I really, really do. You know, you look at the players we were missing tonight. You talk about um, Bakayo Saka. You talk about Emil Smith-Rowe. You know, two players who just 
add an energy and and it was almost like a, a throwback wasn't it to um you know it was almost like a throwback to the arsenal pre christmas where we weren't playing with the youngsters in the right in the forward positions and we were just so lackluster and and so incohesive and that's exactly what you saw tonight play lacazette up front with saka and emil smithrow and you get the best out of all three of them Play Lacazette up front with Aubameyang and Pepe um, the way they play tonight, then it's a completely different thing. Um, we were missing David Luiz, our central defensive leader. And I can see whilst we're live right now, there's a few of you saying that David Luiz is out for the season. Um, where are you getting that from? Because I, I just want to verify that um, whilst we're we're talking. What I've seen from the quotes that are coming out of Mikel Arteta's press conference, which is going on right now, he said there are a few possibilities. We're talking with the doctors to make the right decision. It looks like he could be out for a few weeks. It will depend on the decision that he will take, that we will take. It talks about him being out for a few weeks and it talks about the possibility of him needing surgery. Um, I don't know where it says 100% that he needs surgery unless he's given an interview to someone else. But we'll talk about that tomorrow, right? Um, once the, the press conference is done. But we missed him, regardless of how long he's going to be out for. We missed him badly. And you saw tonight why this 33-year-old Chelsea reject, as people like to call him, with crazy hair, who has been a calamity in the past in the eyes of many, you saw tonight why he's so important to this side. You saw why David Luiz is so important. You saw why Granite Xhaka is so important. You saw why Bukayo Saka is so important. And you saw why Emil Smith-Rowe is so important. We look at that group of players and we think that because we've got numbers, that we've got depth, but we don't. We don't have depth at all. Um, it's all good having numbers, bodies, but if they're not at the level required, is it depth? Nah, not for me. Um, you've seen it when three or four players are missing from the uh, the the, the preferred lineup. We're a million miles away from the team that we want to be. We'll we'll try and verify those David Luiz comments by the time we finish the show. But from what I'm seeing in front of me right now, comments that are being put out on on Twitter by journalists who will have been in attendance. Um, at Mikel Arteta's press conference, they're saying that David Luiz may need surgery and that he may be out for a few weeks. There's no quote as far as I can see that says he's definitely going to be out for the rest of the season. We'll see, though. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Russ Morgan says, well said, Harry. People are not having it that Luiz and Xhaka are important to this team. Exactly. And I, and, and I can't for the life of me work out why. Whether you think they're good enough for the longer term, whether you think it's right that they are so important to this team is a completely different debate, completely different discussion, completely different argument. However, right now they are important. They're key, key players. And you saw tonight the difference between them playing and them not playing and how badly it impacts the overall standard of our team. You're talking about two natural leaders. You're talking about two players who have the respect of the entire dressing room. And when things get tough, they will pull people in 
rein people in and they will do their utmost to turn things around. Their attitudes are spot on. Maybe their ability is not quite where we need it to be, but there were no leaders on the pitch today. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang supposed to be our leader, yet he's a shadow of the player he was last season. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's lots to worry about and, and lots to think about. Uh, the modern Guna woke up at 3 a.m. for this. Um, mate, my my hat goes off to you uh, because that is some effort to watch that absolute shit. And I thought I was pissed off and upset. Um, I can only imagine how you're feeling. Uh, Matt says, uh, I want Arteta to prove me wrong. But every time I hear him talk, I get the feeling he thinks this job is too big for him. The one positive for me after a game like that is it is watching that Mikel Arteta actually hurts and feels the pain like we as fans do. I like that in a manager. I like a manager to be fully on board, fully invested. And I like the fact that it bothers him so much when we get beat, because I think that tells you a lot about his desire. That tells you a lot about how desperate he is to succeed and to turn this football club around. We all knew when he took the job, this was going to be a difficult task. For some reason, that FA Cup win at the back end of last season turned everybody's brains to mush because there were people sitting there telling me that Arsenal were going to challenge for the Premier League title, telling me that Arsenal were nailed on certainties for the top four. Be lucky if we competed for the top four and we're clearly not even going to achieve that. Whereas people, but I've heard people sitting there telling me that Mikel is underachieving with the group. Yeah, he is underachieving in the Premier League, but he's underachieving more so in the eyes of some because their expectations were completely overblown and quite frankly, ridiculous. <sighs> you know, Inter Yanan says in the chat, all we hear is how the defence has improved this season. The defence had improved to a certain point, but I, I completely accept that in recent weeks it's declined. It's gone backwards. You know, we're, we're talking about a team that conceded three at West Ham, conceded three against Liverpool tonight. It's just not good enough at the moment. You can't give away that many goals and expect to take maximum points from football matches. It's as simple as that. Um, get your questions in the chat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to as many of those uh, as I possibly can between um, now and the end of the stream. But I guess for me, to kind of summarise my overall views um, and I'm not going to get into the tactics too deeply because I want to do that tomorrow when I've had a chance to watch the game back with a cooler head. I think it's always better. Um, you know, it's always better to do that. But in terms of overall raw reaction, raw thoughts, the tactics were wrong. You know, we tried too hard to nullify Liverpool to the point where we lost the identity that we've, in my opinion, finally found since Christmas. It was almost as though we swept it under the carpet and just decided that we were going to worry only about Liverpool. And actually, if you want to be a big club, if you want to compete with the very best in the business, you have to have confidence in what you do. You have to have uh, belief in what you're doing and you have to trust that it will work against anybody. Yes, you make tweaks, you make adjustments, but Arsenal didn't even attempt to play their game tonight, which is really, really frustrating. Was it all the tactics or was it a bit of the application? 
uh, sorry, was it the tactics? Was it the application or was it both? I think it was both. Um, the tactics were a little bit mixed. Um, in my opinion, it looked like when Liverpool had the ball in their defensive third, we'd been instructed to press them high up the pitch and try and force a mistake. But the minute they beat that, we just retreated. And, you know, you you can't do that. You, you know, you, you can't find a halfway house with the press, right? You either do it properly, you squeeze everyone at the pitch and, and you try and, and, and make it work or you don't do it. You can't do it half-heartedly. And it felt like we'd press with our front players um, in the final third to try and close the Liverpool boys down. But the minute that first line of press was broken, Arsenal would panic and, and go back into this retreat because they were worried about the pace of Salah and Mane in behind. And rightly so to a degree, but it comes back to that point. You can't do it half-hearted. You've got to do it one way or the other. And I didn't think Arsenal uh, got that right. In terms of the application of the players, it wasn't good enough, was it? Uh, Mikel Arteta said it um, after the game. He said it was both technical um, and and it was to do with the lack of effort. There were so many things wrong with what Arsenal did tonight. And listen, I'm a massive, or I have been a massive supporter of Mikel Arteta. I'm still not calling for him to be sacked. But what I will say is he, he's got to take responsibility for what, what was a really abysmal display, arguably one of our worst of the season. And he said after the game in his post-match interview uh, that it's his fault. And the one thing you, you can't say about him is that he's shirking the responsibility. He's taking it on the chin. Um, and, and clearly he knows uh, that he's going to get criticism and he's willing to take it because ultimately that's what the manager's job is. You know, it's his responsibility to get the best out of this football team. And unfortunately tonight, for whatever um, for whatever the reason, we, we were just a million miles away from Liverpool. Andrew says, are we taken away from the quality of the Liverpool performance? Everybody has forgotten how good they can be on their day. Arteta can't turn Pepe into Salah. I, I think that it's a valid point. And I think we should talk about how good Liverpool were. But... I thought we just made it too easy for them. You know, they were good and it is it, it should be said, but I still felt like we made it too easy for them. I tweeted at half time at a game um where I talked about sort of the first half and and let me just bring it up on my phone so I can make sure I tell you what I said bec accurately because I did make reference um to their to their performance in the start and, and how good they can be. I said, Liverpool, despite their league position, still possess world-class talents. I said, it's been a disappointing first half from Arsenal, especially losing Tierney, which we'll come on to talk about in a minute. Forgot about that. The only positive is that we're still in the game. And then I said, let's hope Arteta gets into them at halftime. Love him or loathe him, we're missing Granite Xhaka. So I did acknowledge that Liverpool, you know, Take away the fact that they've had a bad season. They've had a bad season this year because they've been inconsistent like we have. But on their day with a front three of Mala, Mala, <laughs> so you know I'm shattered, Mane, Salah and Firmino. With Fabinho in the midfield, with Robertson and Alexander-Arnold coming down either uh, wing-back position, they're as good as anybody. And on their day, they could rip apart anybody. So uh, you've got to take that into consideration. But... Had Arsenal put in a half-decent display, put in top effort, 
worked very hard and and you know given their absolute all losing to Liverpool in my eyes is not a disgrace it's not the result so much that I'm upset with it's the nature of the defeat that's really got me tonight um and I think that's what's really upset Mikel Arteta as well I think you could take that from his interview I haven't seen um the press conference yet I'll, I'll catch up with that after and we'll probably talk about it uh, on one of tomorrow's streams but yeah, really disappointing. And and Mikel Arteta had a decent record against Jurgen Klopp. I think he'd won three out of the four meetings they'd had prior to this one. And um, he'll be disappointed that he's lost a bit of uh, a bit of domination in that sense as well. But Liverpool were were, were good when it, they needed to be. They took opportunities when they came their way in the second half, and and they deserve some praise for that. But there's no getting away from the fact that Arsenal made it far too easy. Right, get your questions in the live chat. We're going to do about 15 minutes of just pure Q&A. So get them in the chat. I can see there's a few in there already. Um, let's see. I'll pick out a few. Um, Wesbird, one of our members says, is this a player mentality issue with lack of passion and desire or a management problem? Oba shows no leadership, so he's starting from the front. And I think it's too much of a burden. I think of Bamiang right now. And and for a lot of this season is um, has been a massive massive issue. Um, you know, we talk about what he does on the pitch. We talk about his body language on the pitch. We talk about the fact that he looks like he doesn't care some of the time, like he can't be bothered to put in a shift. Then he goes and turns up to the North London derby late. He breaks COVID rules to go and get a tattoo. There's been so many instances this season that just show that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang just thinks he's above everything. And and the reality is his performances this season haven't warranted that. You know, if Cristiano Ronaldo's doing that, if Lionel Messi's doing that, it's not ideal, but you kind of accept it. You swallow it because those guys win you football matches more often than not. I, I, I don't think it's a, a management problem. Um, you, you look at Mikel Arteta after games, that we've lost and, and after games where we've performed in that way and you can see that he's hurting. So I don't think for a minute that it's, it's a, it's from him. Um, and, and look, those, pl these players, many of these players have displayed the same issues under a number of different managers. So it's difficult to pin it on the management. I think that some of these players just, just aren't, aren't cut out. They're not, the right players for a project. They're not the right players um, when a team are up against it. They're not the type of people that rally behind one another. They're just a soft touch and they have been for years and years and years. Uh, let's uh, let's see what else you guys are saying in the chat box. We'll pick out some more questions. Um, Sam, another one of our members says, how long are you willing to give Arteta? Personally, I think he needs a transfer window, but next season, the pressure is really on, even if he wins the UEFA Europa League this year. I've said it for months now. I said it during that really rough period that we had um, at the back end of last year. How long am I willing to give him? I was willing to give him this season, so I'd be a hypocrite now if I changed from that. Um, I think that he should be given until the end of the season. Doesn't mean we shouldn't question certain performances. Doesn't mean we shouldn't question the direction of travel at times. But um, the, the minute the first whistle blows next season, for me, and this is for me, 
Mikel Arteta is under immense pressure to show immediate improvement. I know it's not been an ideal campaign. I know COVID has made things tough. I know that the the nature in terms of the fixture congestion of the campaign has been a problem as well. I get all of that. But other managers have had to contend with it. Other managers have had to cope with it. And um, as I say, start of next season for me, and there'll be fans back in by then as well. That's when the pressure is really going to be on Mikel Arteta. Because I tell you what, the Emirates Stadium would have been toxic tonight uh, had that performance been witnessed by fans inside the stadium. Uh, Inter says, do you think winning the Europa League will paper over the cracks of another crap season? It's a hard one to, to answer because ultimately at the start of the campaign, his main primary objective would have been let's get Arsenal back in the Champions League. And if he wins the Europa League, he'd have done that. And I wouldn't say in that case, it would be papering over the cracks. I would say in that case, he'd have achieved his goals, but we still have to learn from it, uh, learn from everything that's happened and and still have to understand that we're a long way from, for example, challenging for the Premier League or even finishing in the top four. Because if we sneak into the Europa League, uh, if we sneak into it via the Europa League, we can do that finishing 12th. It doesn't really matter where we end up in the league. So he'd have achieved his objective, which he would deserve credit for. But I think we'd have to level our expectations for next season based on the way our Premier League campaign's gone, of course. Uh, Josh says, was it Arteta's choice to start Sabahs ahead of Elneny with the absence? Uh, sorry, was Arteta's choice to start Sabahs ahead of Elneny with the absence of Xhaka the right thing to do? I'd have done it. Uh, when I'd done my predicted lineup, or, or my lineup, I should say, uh, on the show yesterday, I picked him. And I think it was the right decision because I think Mohamed Elneny is just such a limited footballer. And we've been talking a lot about how negative the tactics were tonight, how negative the approach was tonight. Can you imagine uh, the backlash had Arteta gone with Elneny? Can you imagine how negative it would have been perceived to be then? Uh, so, no, I, I think he made the right call in playing Sabahs. But Sabahs needs to adapt his game. You know, it's as simple as that. Sabahs needs to understand that you can't take three or four touches against a press as aggressive as Liverpool's in and around the edge of your penalty area. He gave the ball away on a number of occasions. There were a couple of counter-attacks. I thought that if he just released the ball quicker, Arsenal could have made more of. I, I like Sabahs. I like his attitude. I like his character. I like the fact that he tries to play the game the right way. I like the fact he's a technical player. Um, he, he's the type of player I enjoy watching. But the reality is that sometimes, particularly in that position, when you're under pressure, when you're facing a notorious press, by the way, this is a press that everybody knows of. Um, it's what Jurgen Klopp's famous for, the Gagan press or whatever it is that they call it. You know, just understand, Danny, that you can't take two, three, four touches every time you receive the ball. So, um, I think it was the right call. I think the bad performance is on Danny rather than it being on Mikel Arteta. Uh, Legend of Roto says, question, what do you want Arsenal's identity to be in the next few seasons? For example, Wenger-style flair football, Klopp-style pressing or Man City-style aggressive attack. What should the philosophy become? Uh, it's, you know, it's it's difficult to say because, you know, the philosophy should be whatever works for the group that we have. 
and we found something that works better since Christmas, but that something only works better with certain personnel in the team. And when you had a number of those players out of the team tonight, you saw what a difference it makes. So it kind of has opened my eyes to why Mikel Arteta, when we were slagging him off uh, in the earlier stages of his tenure about the fact that he kept chopping and changing systems. Well, this is why. Because with one set of players, it would work, you know, and fit like a glove. And with others, it would just be an absolute car crash and disaster. I don't think he should veer away from the 4-2-3-1 off the back of what happened tonight. Because I think when you bring in Louise, Xhaka, Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka back into that side, four players, I think you see an, a, a major, major difference. So I'm not sure that the philosophy is the issue. Um, and and I would say that the philosophy should be whatever's going to work, to put it quite frankly. Uh, Ian says, uh, what if he doesn't get the transfer window that is needed? We know how incompetent our board is. Will we still need to be patient with Arteta? Yeah, look, the transfer window is not going to be this crazy window where we go out and spend two, three hundred million pound on players. So don't expect it. Just don't expect it. And you won't be disappointed. It's as simple as that. Um, It's going to be hard. It is going to be hard um, for, uh, for Mikel Arteta to do the business that he wants to do because of all the financial restrictions that he's going to have to contend with and the club are going to have to contend with. Uh, What else have we got here? Going to pick out a few more, I think. Um, What shall we go with? Um, LK says, this guy is justifying this result again. I need to retire to Bedlam. I, you must have joined the stream late, my friend. Uh, feel free to uh, rewind it and check it out. I'm uh, just disappointed with tonight's result as anybody else. I'm not justifying it uh, for a second. So I don't know where you've got that uh, from. Arsenal O says, come on, bro. This one is on Arteta for sure. He admitted it himself. We were set up so po- poorly. Every defeat, every negative result is on the manager to a degree because the manager is ultimately responsible for the results. Simple as that. Um, but it doesn't matter how you set out a team. If if the application isn't there, then it's a problem. And um, the application wasn't there, in my opinion. I said I was going to talk about Kieran Tierney, uh, and, and I, I will do that because he went off injured just before half time. And I mean, the guy's made of glass. The guy is literally made of glass. And it's a massive, massive problem because he is so talented. He does bring so much to us down that left-hand side. And and you could argue that that's another reason why we maybe, I know we weren't good in the first half, but maybe we collapsed even further in the second was, was due to his absence. Really difficult for Cedric coming in as a fullback on the wrong side, you know. And um, he did a good job for a few weeks when he had to cover it a little while back and I expect him to to go back and do that. Um, but it's a real worry with Kieran Tierney. It really, really is. And, you know, at this business end of the season now, we could be without him for a little bit. Let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, Russ Morgan says, uh, how do you rate Arteta's in-game management out of 10? I think it's one of the areas he probably needs to improve in. Um, 
I'd say it's about a five at the moment, which isn't isn't good enough. But um, I think I, I always see one of the co- uh, common criticisms that he gets is his substitutions. But I feel like more than day football fans are just obsessed with substitutions. Like, honestly, like it, it, it's, it amazes me how much people talk about substitutions. Um, the reality is that you pick your best 11 at the start of the game. And if you are having to make loads and loads of substitutions, it's because you got something wrong in the first place. Very simple way of looking at it, but that's how I feel. Um, he's going back to the question though, his in-game management is around about five out of 10 for me. It's not, it's not good enough. Uh, and it's something that he needs to improve on. And it's something I think that probably comes with experience. Um, what's this? Uh, Jordan Charles says, you talk nonsense. He played nearly every game. Think about what you say about Tierney. Kieran Tierney played every game. Is that what you're saying? Kieran Tierney, right? And it's, it's common knowledge. So I don't even know um, what what route you're going down with this. Kieran Tierney has suffered with injuries throughout his career, even at Celtic. And look, to evidence that, I've got his injury record up here on my screen um, and I'm just going to read it out to you so you can uh, see exactly what I'm talking about because clearly obviously something's been missed. Kieran Tierney has been out of the Arsenal side one, two, three, four on four occasions so far this season. Uh, So he's picked up four injuries during his time at Celtic in the 1920 season. um, He had an injury First of all, we had a hip injury at Celtic that kept him out for 13 games. Then when he came to Arsenal, he missed 19 games with a shoulder injury. Prior to that, in the 18-19 season, he was out one, two, three, four, five times uh, for Celtic. One of those injuries saw him miss 17 games. So how can anybody suggest that Kieran Tini is not an injury-prone player? Well, I, I said it at the time. When we signed him, I said my biggest concern about Kieran Tierney, if you go back to that stream on that day when we signed Kieran Tierney, because there is one, I said that Kieran Tierney looks a really good talent, but injuries are an issue and we need to watch out for it. I can't believe there are people in the chat telling me that I have to watch what I say about Kieran Tierney as if he's not injury prone. He absolutely is injury prone. Um, you know. It's a major, major problem for us because we don't even have another left back in the squad right now. You know, is that another situation that's potentially um, been mismanaged? Who knows? Who knows? I think I'm probably going to leave it there because it's getting late. Um, I feel like I'm in a terrible mood. I am in a terrible mood, and I'd rather uh, we we spend some more time. Um, analyzing the game a little bit deeper tomorrow um and hopefully i'll be able to provide a little bit more insight a little bit more deeper analysis once i've kind of moved on a bit from the defeat i said it 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 wasn't just the result it was about the nature of the defeat and i stick by that i feel like a number of players let us down tonight i feel like the manager probably let us down as well with some of the decisions he made i back him i support him I'm desperate for him to succeed, but to have lost 12 games at this point in the season 
there's no getting away from the fact that that's not good enough. And I understand why there are Arsenal fans out there who who want to see him go. And with every performance like this, with every defeat that follows, you then you then you give that cause a little bit more um, fuel. And, you know, they're building momentum, the people that want Arteta out, and it's becoming more and more difficult to argue with that based on our Premier League campaign this season. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, Wes Bird says in the comments, feel like we've gone backwards tonight. That's exactly how I feel. And, and, I'm, and again, I'm not saying I feel like we've gone backwards because we lost to Liverpool, the reigning champions of the Premier League. I feel like we went backwards because of the nature of the performance. And that's what frustrates me. We were missing players. And and what this does is highlight that, A, the strength and depth we might think we have um, is, is non-existent. And the, the fact that, and we've also got to realise that some of these players that some of the fans seem to have an agenda against want to dig out at every opportunity. The likes of David Luiz, the likes of Granit Xhaka, actually, whilst they might not be good enough for the next five years, or if Arsenal want to push on to, to win Premier League titles, the reality is that they right now are so key to this team and we're a much better side with the minute than we are without them right now because the alternatives are not any better. In fact, they're far fucking worse. Right, going to leave it there. Uh, make sure, if you haven't already, that you've smashed the like button. I know we didn't like the result. I know we didn't like the performance, but hopefully uh, you've enjoyed uh, some of my uh, thoughts or at least enjoyed a bit of a therapy session off the back of another disappointing uh, night. We've only got 72 likes at the moment. Let's try and get that up to uh, 100 if we if we can between now and the outro rolling. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new. We want to get to 13K on YouTube as quick as possible. If you're listening via the audio, um, big hello to you guys as well. Make sure you leave us a review on whatever platform it is you're joining us from. Uh, thank you to everybody in the live chat. Uh, Pooch says, Harry said the F-bomb. I've done it a few times tonight. My apologies. Um, but sometimes I, I am an Arsenal fan like every single one of you. It's not always easy to keep a lid on it, uh, especially after a game. So thank you um, all for your understanding. Wishing you all a very, very happy Easter uh, with your friends and family, whatever you're doing. Uh, have a great one. And I will catch you all on Sunday evening with another podcast in which we'll continue to try and dissect the game or continue to react to it, hopefully with a calmer head. And um, hopefully we can try and make a bit more sense as to what exactly went wrong for the Gunners tonight. Catch you all soon. Cheers. Happy Easter. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening 